Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production, where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiniest Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 3, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We're going to go ahead and talk about movies, TV, and read some fiction. If you want to get hold of the show, you can go ahead and go to Facebook.com, Aaron's Horror Show, or you can go to Twitter.com, Aaron Horror Show, or you can go ahead and send us an email at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Uh, you can also go ahead and support the show by going to Patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. All right, we got some more Orion this week for you. So we're on Life 4, and he's in some uh, other planet where there are aliens and all sorts of weird things happening. And uh, yeah, the, the princess is with him uh, at the start of this adventure, and he also saw Stabby was there. And uh, let's just kind of see how this plays out. So, uh, without further ado, here is uh, the continuation of Life 4. Once I was suited up and ready to move out, I booted my comms. There was a display inside my helmet that had all sorts of information. There was also little windows where I could see my teammates in their helmets. They began to sound off. Each time they talked, the window which displayed their faces changed to a, the person who was talking. When I sounded off, I said, Blue 4 checking in. My face appeared in the active speaker window. It was familiar to me, but not in a way it was in my other lives. The, the face I had seen in my vision under the tree. It was the face of that guy. I had a faux hawk, a goatee, and glasses. I was wearing a black hoodie, and instead of a space marine suit around my head, there was a bookshelf in the background. I looked at my reflection in the helmet of the other marines, and it had the same faux hawk goatee, but missing the glasses. I, mean, I was inside a space marine outfit, and, and not wearing a hoodie. Confused, I flipped back to the image of myself in the heads-up display, and again, it showed a bookshelf in the background. Hey guys. I said while I fixated on the visage. Do you see that? Cut the blue crap, blue. Kaylee, in a red-accented suit, said. We're about to move out. I was so fixated on what I had seen that I almost missed Kaylee's display when she talked. When her face appeared, it was also not in the helmet like the rest of the squad of the room, but behind her I could see a Fellowship of the Ring movie poster in the corner of a rumpled bed. She also wore a black hoodie. 
I looked at Kaylee, and just like me, she appeared to be in the power armor in real life, but in the heads-up display, she was somewhere different. I couldn't wrap my head around what was happening, but I didn't have time to figure it out. The drill sergeant ordered us to move out. The desert of Azar was a vast wasteland of sand, rock, and the occasional prickler plant. Pricklers were like the cactus plants of Earth. If the thorns were razor blades and the skin was leather, even the night-blooming plants didn't live in the deep desert. Humans had built their cities near the underground water supplies and left the deep desert alone. The sun was rising and so were the temperatures. The surviving students and military personnel all wore power armor to protect themselves from the heat. The wounded and the civilians could be saved or packed into troop transports while the troops had to walk. There were two platoons, one mech and various lighter vehicles in the convoy. A group of fighters had covered our escape from the city and were shot down. We had lost some soldiers, equipment, and another mech on the way out of town. Eventually, we had fought our way to the perimeter of the falling pods. The creatures were too busy to pursue us. We walked for another 16 hours through the hottest part of the day before we came to a small canyon where night bloom plants grew in the shade. Where there were night blooms, there was water. So the commander decided to stop the convoy and he set up base camp. Habs were inflated, drills were put to work finding water, while the grunts like myself and Kaylee had food and water, the transports with the civilians didn't. A hospital tent was set up, and a couple days later, when there wasn't any task I was assigned to do, I shed my armor and finally got a chance to sit next to my dad. He was out. His monitors registered weak vitals. Kaylee came in and sat behind me. She slipped her hand around mine. It felt comfortable. It felt right. After a long silence, I finally said, I didn't see what happened to Tanner. Last night I saw... Kaylee thought about it. He was helping his family escape graduation, but I didn't see what happened to him. I know he didn't make it to the school, or at least didn't think about going to school, or else he'd be here with us. Other refugee groups were leaving the city. Even a few made it off-world from what I heard. Maybe he's with them, I said. More for her than for me. I wasn't convinced that Tanner was the person my memory was telling me he was. I had too many encounters with Stabby to think the memories from the life would cloud his judgment. I saw him take the dagger. I knew he meant to betray me. I switched gears and said, Hey, uh, do you remember when I kept calling you Princess? She chuckled and said, I hate that nickname. In this life, when I first noticed I had feelings for the woman I had grown up with, I displayed those feelings by calling her Princess and making fun of her. The nickname stuck for a while when we decided to join the military academy. She dropped the name, and even though my knowledge of other lives never seemed to affect my youth, I wondered somehow if I knew she was the princess. For a moment, I didn't want to think about any of my past lives. I just wanted to live this one through its natural conclusion. To be with princess, I had to fight a vast alien horde, but unlike any of my other lives, she was right here by my side. If we could find some obscure corner of the supply hab during the day shift when most people were sleeping, we could maybe even make love, huh? 
Even though death was a foregone conclusion in this life, I didn't want to be anywhere else. The chances of us surviving an invasion were next to nothing. Sar was one of the most distant planets in the human-controlled space. The interstellar forces had a fleet that could stop the attack in its tracks, but those ships were located near the core worlds, with Earth at the epicenter. Planets on the edge like Zar had some peacekeeping forces and nothing prepared for the scale of the invasion. Even if the IF were mobilizing their fleets and they were screaming through the galaxy towards Zar, there's no telling how fast the bugs could multiply or what they are going to do with the world. Staying on the surface of Zar was suicide. If this was my last life, I wanted to spend it with Princess. I almost didn't tell her what I told her next but I couldn't stay silent. What kept me from losing myself in this life and forgetting the rest of the vision I had on the eve of battle from life one. In that vision, Princess, or as I knew, Kaylee had kissed me on the cheek, and in the background of that moment was the very same bookshelf I saw in the heads-up display. It was like I had a window into another life with Kaylee, and there was no conflict. I had fought in too many wars, set out on too many quests. I struggled through so much endless conflict that being with Kaylee in a regular run-of-the-mill life seemed like the quest and all quest. I had to know if she saw it too. Kaylee, my voice broke the silence. Yes, she said. When we were in our power armor, did you notice anything unusual? What do you mean, she said. All systems checked out. Uh, no. I mean, when my phase appeared in the in the HUD, I was, a, uh, you know, in front of a bookcase. She stared at me for a moment and then said, Why would that be weird? Before I could answer, a loud explosion rocked the camp. We ran toward the entrance of the HAB and began putting on our power armor. While we were suiting up, I said, Why wouldn't that be weird? I thought it would be a quick explanation, like we could customize our hub to make it look like we weren't in our power armor. More explosions roared across the camp. Can we talk about this later and concentrate on what we're doing? She chastised. We weren't suiting up any slower than average. I saw no reason to drop it. Do what now? I pried. What exactly are we doing? We've been over this, she said. I don't want to be part of your little experiment, okay? You think I join the red team because... I, you know, I want you to have your space. Space for what? I called after her as she went out the door. I followed her out. The camp was in chaos. Three giant armored caterpillar creatures stood in a row at the canyon walls. They glowed and shot a white energy pulse down to the camp and blew the habs and vehicles away. Six of the purple pod bugs and a swarm of the critters ran down the wall of the canyon. Even though it was still daylight, creatures didn't seem bothered by the heat of the sun. Meanwhile, those who were blown out of the habs were being suffocated by the weather. Kaylee charged to aid a group, concentrating their firepower on one of the pod bugs. I ran to help her, but one of the white energy pulses exploded on the ground in front of me. I flew back and tumbled over. Another pulse hit the med hab head on. My father and all the wounded didn't even have a chance. I launched a few missiles towards the caterpillars, and they exploded. Kaylee's face appeared in my helmet. She was in the same room with the Lord of the Rings poster. What the hell's going on? Are you dicking around back there? Come help us squash these bugs. 
I could see they had taken down one of the purple ones and were concentrating on another. Before I could cross the battlefield to meet with them, a figure jumped from the cliff and landed in a crater in front of me. He stood up, and I knew him right away. It was my friend Tanner. However, he was different. He was not wearing power armor. Instead, his veins pulsed with a purple goo. The same material from the ship in orbit and the pods had infested his body. His back was an armored plate. His legs were more bug than human. His hair was made of thick purple strands and his eyes were sunken in, black like the void of space. The dagger he had killed me life after life protruded from his right forearm. It was bigger and more vicious looking. It was the same weapon. Something told me that he had no trouble piercing my power armor. Also, stealing it back wasn't an option because it was part of his body. Stabby, I said. His voice was deep and hollow. Yes, that's one of my names. Tanner is another. I would ask what you're doing here, but let's skip the formalities. I flipped on my flame units and pointed at him. A stream of intense fire spewed forth. He used the thick plates on his arms to protect himself from the attack. Interesting, he said. This body protects me. I switched out my flame unit for a plasma and Stabby made his move. A purple bug had gone astray from the battle between the humans and the invaders. It saw the two of us and charged, but before I could react, Stabby leapt from his position and stabbed the bug in the eye. It keeled over and slid to a halt at my feet, covering me with sand. I brushed the stand from my visor and saw Stabby was right next to me. I lifted my cannon and placed it against his neck. He made no effort to move. In the time, I was blindsided. He could have killed me, but he didn't. I powered down my plasma cannon and said, Talk. I was sincere when I said I wanted to save your life with the princess in this world. So why did you bring the dagger into it? Part of the package was me dying too. My torture is endless. I can never fulfill my destiny. So I thought that, like you, the dagger must be the only thing that can kill me. I knew... You would never agree to bring it, so I took it at the last moment. How do I know this isn't some <laughs> elaborate ruse to kill me? I said. He looked at the giant bug corpse next to us and said, In this life, there are plenty of ways to kill you. Hey, Blue, Kaylee's face appeared in my head. I need your... She cut out. I looked in the distance. A purple bug held a red-accented space marine suit in its jaws. Kaylee! However, the creature didn't chomp down or tear her apart. It held on to her and scaled the walls towards the caterpillars. Other insects also carried some human hostages as they retreated up the cliff. Once the bug army cleared the battlefield, the caterpillar stopped firing and withdrew as well. I attempted pursue, but Stabby stopped me. The swarm is too big, he said. You'll get yourself killed. Where are they taking her? I said. To the place in the city where they made me. What are they doing to them? There is a bunch of bug structures clustered by the city hall. Instead, there is where these chambers. They put a person in one, and the person would come out twelve hours later, looking like me. Why? What are they using humans for? Soldiers. Workers. They control us through a powerful hive mind compelling us to act. So why aren't you doing their bidding? I can feel the tanner part of myself.
It was a part only from this world, screaming and struggling to comply. But then there's me, the part you call Stabby. That part followed you here, and I'm not part of this world. I'm an observer, but enough about me. This world will be overwhelmed. There are already hatcheries where more of the critters are growing, and this one is producing much larger eggs than the ones you've seen. This is the world where I'm supposed to get together with a princess at the end? Some life. There are several off-world planet hoppers that survived the old spaceport, Stabby said. Planet hoppers were like cruise ships for your vacationers, except that they were much more maneuverable than a cruise ship because of the need to withstand many different planetary environments. The bugs leave the human stuff alone. They want the resources. If human structure isn't a threat, and not in the way of mining operations, they leave it to rot. Humans are workers. Our stuff is garbage as far as they're concerned. So, what if I save the princess and get to the hopper? What then? There's a massive ship in orbit. That's just it. Once all the major human resistance forces fell, the ship broke apart and turned into all the structures that produce their armies and harvest their resources. Nothing is protecting them in orbit. As far as they're concerned, they've won control of the planet and are mopping up the last pockets of humanity. So, if we get to the hoppers, we have a reasonable chance of surviving. Yes. If you dodge the swarm of bugs, the aerial brigades, and venture into the heart of the bug-infested city. Well, I was getting bored of jousting anyways. I turned to walk away and Stabby stood his ground. Well, aren't you coming with me? Stabby clutched the blade protruding from his forearm. He grunted and screamed and yanked the weapon out. Felt dripped with purple ooze. More of the ooze gushed from the gaping wound in his arm. What are you doing? I said. And he shoved the weapon into my hand. The humans won't trust me. He said and nodded towards the survivors. The troops were gathering around the mech, which was the only piece of heavy equipment to survive the attack. But I, I need you as a guide, I said. You grew up in the same city I did. You know where to go. But I need you. That's a funny thing to hear you say. Trust me, I know, but this is it. Like it or not, our lives are intertwined. If you still want to die, I'll kill you when we get to the hoppers. Tanner, I need you. I thought I was stabby. Not in this life. Shame. I like the memories of this life. He stabbed himself in the eye socket with his blade. There was a bright flash, and his body dissolved into a million pinpricks of light. They faded into the sand before my eyes. Stabby was no more, and all that was left was the dagger. I lifted it from the ground and looked to see several soldiers running towards me. Blue four. Orange five's face appeared in my HUD. His head was surrounded by the suit of armor like the others. You okay? Yeah. I said and put the dagger in a storage compartment. A souvenir from the bug? Red 2 said. Yeah, I said. Well, don't brick yourself with it. Come on, we're talking strategy. Uh, there, there's these off-world planet hoppers that are still functional. You don't say. Yeah, they're, they're docked at the old spaceport. That's back in the city. Well, that's where we're going. We're going to have to save our people and get off this rock, right? All right, that was more Orion, and we will have some more Orion for you soon. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy your night, 
and try not to have a guy named Stabby come after you. Especially when it's surfer bro accent, you know? Uh, <laughs> and listen to the other real paranormal activity shows and also the videos. Have a good night. <laughs>